0: Hello and welcome to the Mach 1 Market Moment where we provide financial information on topics such as investing, insurance, financial planning, and everything related to your money. A quick reminder that the hosts of the show are employees of Mach One Financial Group. This podcast is for informational purposes only, and nothing said in the show should be taken as investment advice. Employees and clients of Mach One Financial Group may maintain positions in the securities or strategies discussed. We upload a brand new podcast every Thursday, so be sure to subscribe to our show so you never miss an episode. Also, follow us on all of our social media platforms. We are Mach One Financial Group on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube.
1: Hello and welcome to the Mach One Market Moment. This is Matt Walters here with David Lee. And today on the podcast, we are extremely excited to have a very special guest. But before we jump in and introduce our guest and kind of give you an idea of what we're going to be talking about, David, what's going on? How are you you doing today?
2: I'm good, Matt. Happy to be here with our special guest today. And And uh, along with Erica, as always.
1: Yeah, awesome. So. A lot of our listeners are in Northwest Arkansas, so a lot of people listening may have heard of um, Dr. Nick Floyd. Nick is the senior pastor at Cross Church Northwest Arkansas, um, and he is with us today to talk about faith and finance—really anything related to faith, money, finances, how they're intertwined, how we can use money, you know, for the greater good, and all of these things. We're going to just kind of have a conversation today and see where it takes us. A quick introduction to Nick: Nick received his bachelor's degree from Liberty University, um, his Master's of Divinity from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, and then his doctorate from Liberty School of Divinity. So very educated man at the least. Um, Nick has served as a board member on the Baptist State Convention since 2014. Um, He's a team chaplain for the Arkansas Razorback football team since 2014, which I think is is very, very cool. Um, And then Nick is married to his wife, Meredith, and they have four children, Reese, Beckham, Nora, and Maya, and Nora's with an H. And I say that because I also have a Nora with an H, so I can appreciate that. So Nick, happy to have you on. Thanks for joining us.
3: Yeah, thanks for having me. Honored to be with you guys. Thanks for all that you do. And yeah. it is spelled appropriately with an H. Absolutely. <laughs> I, did, yeah. I We based it off Nora Jones. Okay, you know, there you a musician. go. Musician, And my wife did not want the H, but I said, no, we got to have the H. Got to have the H. So we, we kept the H. Yep,
1: absolutely. <laughs> um, so how, well, real quick, because we, you know, I, I, this is the first time I've ever met you. Uh, how old are your kids?
3: Oh, they are 14, 11, 8, and 6. Okay. So it's a busy house.
1: Yeah, yeah absolutely. No doubt. That's awesome. Um, so, like I said, today we're talking about faith and finance, and just kind of kind of see where this takes us. But this last twelve to eighteen months has been interesting, you know, in a lot of ways, right? You look at the political environment. We had a big election. We've had a lot happen economically. A lot of people. I think, have gone through a lot spiritually, right? We weren't in church for a period of time, right? We weren't physically going to church, so that looked different for a lot of people. Still looks different. Yeah. Um, so just, I guess, to kind of get the conversation started, what have you seen over the last year or so? What kind of issues or thoughts have people been coming to you? And, and you know, where do you see us at today based on everything we've just went through?
3: Yeah, I think, um, I think more than anything, the last... 12 to 18 months has really showed us the brokenness of the world and it's just amplified it. And so I think, you know, a lot of things we could say, or a lot of people would say it this way of COVID, you know, caused a lot of these things. I think COVID revealed a lot of these things. And, um, again, from a Christian perspective, it just shows you that none of the stuff that people are trying to find hope in or trying to fix in society will ever really be fixed this side of heaven in totality. Um, obviously we work and do what we can now. I mean, I'm a pastor. If anybody believes that, I believe that if I'm going to help people now do what I can now. Um, but really the brokenness that we all experience is something that only Christ can really put back together.
1: So Nick, as, as you, we were going through last year, um, all of the experiences you had, all the people you had coming, I, I, I would like to think or kind of guess you had people coming to you looking for answers, right? Being the leader you are and the, what, how did your, how did you and your team and the church help guide people through everything that's taken place?
3: Yeah, well, I think so much of the, uh, so much of the last 12 to 18 months um, has been beyond our control. And really, I, I heard a quote of somebody even during the pandemic who said, it's not like we've lost control. We've lost the illusion of control. Yeah. So we really were never in control, and COVID just actually stripped that away and said, "Listen, you really are not in charge of the world, of society, of your own life, uh, of your health right. in this instance." And so, um, I really think that that it stripped away some thoughts that we that we had that were obviously false in nature, but COVID has helped reveal that really it was an illusion of control in the first place. Yeah, and we
1: see that a lot in what we do in kind of the money world, yeah. right? People fi- look for this false sense of security in their finances. Or a false sense of control, even. And a false sense of control, or they feel like there's this this number, you know, it's like my portfolio needs to get to this and then everything will be fine yeah. or and then I can reach this point. Sure. And, and yeah, it's a good reminder, as painful as it can be, you know, those resets in life that it's like, hey, a lot of that is completely out of our control.
3: Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah, no doubt about it. And what they find, you know, you mentioned if somebody can can have a certain amount of money in the bank or if they can, well, I finally got married or I finally got that promotion. What they what they end up finding is that at the end of that rainbow that they thought was going to be a pot of gold, they're still empty because all these things in the world that we try to put in the place of God never fulfill. They just don't. And so I think, again, that that's been highlighted throughout this COVID season. And now that we're coming out of it a little bit. It's just uh, it's been so true in each one of our lives.
1: Yeah. And as you know, as believers, people in the church, we obviously deal with all of these same issues. Right. But how do in your opinion, how do we take some of these things that we've maybe uncovered and and learn to deal with in a new way ourselves? How do we take that to, you know, people who aren't in the church to non-believers? I mean, how do we take that experience and that thing that's very real and, and you know, um, recent? and then use that to spread the gospel and teach people about, you know, that they can't have the confidence in all of
3: these things. Sure. I think if there's one thing that COVID did is it brought us all at the same playing field. Didn't matter if you were wealthy or poor, didn't matter if you were, uh, if you were whatever, we were all at the same same game of having to stay home. Of uh, You're fearful for shaking somebody's hand. You don't know what's next in your life. And so um, I think the unique thing that believers have and, and hopefully had in their life throughout this was a sense of peace that really does pass all understanding. Yeah. And, and man, I hope it was true that, that many believers were living a different kind of life that we didn't live with the same type of fear. I, I, uh, I even share with our, with our church sometime during the pandemic, you know, think about all the lengths that the world has just gone through in order not to die. Yes. Yeah. Now that, I mean, I don't want to die right now. I mean, I I know where I'm going, but I it's not like I wanted, woke up and wanted to die today. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's within the human nature to want to live, but we have done so much, all for the purpose to avoid dying. And and the church is in a different reality. Well, yes, we're careful, and yes, we, you know, we follow the law, we do all the things, but at the same time, there's a sense of um of peace and of assurance that that we are to have that the world does not have. And so I think that that can be a real distinguishing mark of right? hopefully how we have handled the pandemic personally versus maybe those that, that don't know the Lord and are just in, in a bit of a struggle, obviously.
2: Yeah. I think that's a, a great point. What you just made, you know, one of the things that I um, talked to even some of our, our church leaders about is, you know, the church should look and hopefully did look uh, different during this crisis because, you know, we quote that verse all the time that says, for me to live as Christ, but to die as gain. Yeah. But you know, hopefully we, hopefully we acted that way through through the middle of the pandemic, yeah. and we're just so afraid of death that we're you know completely changing everything and shutting everything down and and not. Um, uh, I think it's in Hebrews where it says, you know, forsake not the gathering of yourselves together. Yeah. You know, sure. Um, and I know there's different ways of making that of doing accomplishing the same thing, doing online church or whatever. But I think. I think the Lord wants us to meet yeah. together as yeah. believers.
3: And that's been the tightrope for church leaders yeah. Yeah, over bet. the last twelve months of when do you regather? How do you regather? Yeah. It's like walking in a minefield. Yeah. Um, and so there was certainly an aspect of loving your neighbor. Yeah. Of hey, we're gonna we're gonna help with the overall community and not be a spreader. Yeah. Um, while at the same time being cautiously aggressive in regathering. And we're, you know, we are just now getting to the point of kind of where we were 2019. Yeah. um, Before the pandemic. So
2: it's, it's been a unique,
3: you know, moment where we've all really needed the Lord's wisdom on how to regather Mm -hmm. safely and Mm -hmm. appropriately.
2: You know, life is, life is, uh, a lot of life is about taking risk and taking the right kind of risk. Like you were, you were just talking about, you know, what's the and I'm sure it did require a lot of wisdom and a lot of prayer and a lot of discussions with your staff and with not just with cross church, but with every church around the country to know what is the appropriate level of risk to take. But, you know, speaking of risk-taking, that that kind of gets into money and some of the things that we do at Mach 1. You know, life is full of risk and that, that, that applies to taking risks with your money too. God, I don't believe, wants us to be risk-averse, right? Mm-hmm. You yeah. see that in the parable of the talents, right? Yeah, the the uh, five talent servant, the three and the one, the only one that didn't take any risk was the one. And he was the one that got kind of rebuked. right? Yes, yeah, for sure. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, and I do think the Lord calls us.
3: Um, and I think that that parable is a great example of that, of God just to, doesn't want you to just sit on it and right. don't do anything with it. Yeah. But But all money is to be used for his purposes, regardless of how that plays out. And I think that parable gives us a good guideline and a good uh, good plan to move forward in those kind of ways.
1: Yeah, whether it be money or COVID or what, you know, anytime fear is the driving force in yeah. your life, I think, you know, it's a good time to um, reevaluate your priorities no and, and what you're spending your time, you know, meditating and focusing and praying on. But so, Nick, the you know, it's always an interesting balance as a pastor, I'm, I'm guessing, and I've seen you know, talking about money in the church, oh, yeah. right? It's the kind of, it's the, you know, outsider's view of, well, they just, the pastor is just going to try to ask for money or preach about. So how do you, And but obviously money is a, is, is a resource the Lord has given us to, you know, further the gospel, to advance the kingdom. How do you balance, you know, the public perception and not always just wanting to talk about money and give the church money and tithe and, you know, but also Preach because it's a very important topic and something that needs to be preached on. Yeah. No, well, we're
3: back to the tightrope conversation here and <laughs> walking through a minefield. Um, sometimes whenever we are doing a specific sermon on on money or giving, I'll even say it to uh, the congregation. Listen, if it's your first time here and you were worried if I came to church, they're going to talk about money. Well, you have showed up on, on the day when we're <laughs> actually talking about it. So come back another day, you know, right. we won't be talking about it. Um, but it for us not to talk about it is to avoid a large part of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And I've never known a mature, surrendered believer who didn't have their finances in order. Like I, I think that's one area where we can um we can measure maturity by so many different things. And when Jesus says, For where your treasures, there your heart will be also, it, it it's really a pointing to maturity of listen, if you if you really want to follow me this area of your life will be under control and it will be uh, monitored well and used well and spent wisely. And I think there's been such a backlash because it is an idol of the heart in some ways. And I'm not saying that there hasn't been, you know, abuses of this um, in the church There certainly has, but for, for the most part, you've got faithful pastors who are just trying to teach the word of God saying, listen, this is not for for us is as much as it's for you i i have found myself saying that more and more uh recently of uh man this i stand before you today and we don't need we don't need your money like we're doing good so so that's that's always a blessing to be able to say listen like we're okay but you need to think about this for your own life and uh and so god's god has a way of speaking to his people and the ways that they need to hear, whether that's related to money or their marriage or whatever else across the spectrum.
1: Yeah. I think that's good that you said, you know, you've never, don't know if you've ever seen a faithful surrendered believer who doesn't have their finances in order. And we always see, you can you can easily and quickly see where someone's heart is by looking at their budget. Sure. And looking at where they're spending their money. Yeah. And it's just a good reminder that's not trying to, you know. Make anyone feel guilty. But I think we always need that constant nudge of, you know, taking that extra leap of faith. Maybe you've been giving consistently and, you know, faithfully for years, but it's, it's time for you to take that extra step forward um, and not getting comfortable.
3: Absolutely. And that, and that's a, that's a hard thing as a preacher because you're really putting yourself out there to also do that. And that's usually every time I talk about money or talk about giving in a church setting, I'm always talking about Meredith and I, which is my wife, Meredith, mm-hmm. um, not to lift us up, but to say, listen, I'm not asking you to do anything I'm not doing personally. Mm-hmm. Right. Like this, you know, I, I tell people, there's no pastoral exemption in the Bible mm-hmm. for generosity. Like it'd be cool if there was, I mean, it helped me out a little bit, but, <laughs> but there's no pastoral exemption. So, so when I'm reading a passage to the church about giving towards your local church and about being generous with other people, there's no out for me. And so I'm preaching to myself, preaching to my wife sitting on the front row, to my kids sitting there and everybody else. So listen, this is a part of our Christian life, just like it's supposed to be a part of your Christian life as well.
2: Yeah. And I think, you know, I think you'd agree with me on this, the having a a charitable mindset, having, you know, giving a 10th or whatever the percentage that that you give is about part of it is about just making sure that money doesn't become an idol for us and money doesn't have a hold on us. Because it can, it's it's probably one of the number one idols in our culture today, if not number one.
3: Yeah, there's no doubt about it. You look yeah. at the just look at the American culture, and it's it's hard to disagree that it is one of the top idols mm-hmm. in our society, and therefore within every one of us, therefore within our churches, there's a battle um, going on, and I think the reason why God calls us to consistent generosity is because there needs to be a consistent check on the heart it's, it's, I don't just pray my way out of greed. Mm-hmm. I'm generous with my money as I get out of greed. You obey your way. out. Of yeah, greed. exactly. Really yeah. it's a great way to say it. Yeah, for sure.
1: And I guess there's, you know, cause there is like a, this negative view or perception of tithing. And yeah. I, I don't know if it's just because it's like a set, it's like a defined rule. You know, none of us like being told what to do. Yeah. If we're honest with ourselves. Sure. Like, and so it's, you know, the idea of giving a lot, of, I feel like a lot of people like that, right? Yeah. Because it's like, well, I choose that all. But that set amount, I mean, do you think, is that fair? Am I accurate? Do you think that's why that tithing specifically, you know, 10% as people push back on that? Because it's like a defined
3: rule and amount? Yeah, I think, um, I do think people see that. And they are watching their own bills every single month, and they are going through the personal struggle of that, and they're thinking you're you're crazy for me to give ten percent to my church. I'm struggling to make it on what I got now, And actually I, I would you know, I think if we're honest with them, the New Testament calls us way beyond tithing, mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. And so I you know the way I teach it here and the way I say, like, listen, this is how Meredith and I practice generosity for the last sixteen years of our marriage. The tithe to our church isn't even a conversation. Like that's not even a, well, do we have enough money this month? It's like, that's the first fruits to God, to our church. We've given to our church in Texas. Now here at Cross Church. Um, You know, it's funny. I tell our church, you know, the the principle in the New Testament of giving is not tithing. It's generosity. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: Like, honestly, we kind of wish it was tithing. Mm -hmm. Because I, I tell our people, I say, generosity knows no percentage.
2: Yeah.
3: And so that's why the Bible and the New Testament says each person should decide in his own heart what it is he is to give. And so, so I believe that we stand on the principle of the Old Testament, and the tithe becomes not the ceiling of our giving, but the floor of our giving. And then it's a it's a personal relationship with the Lord. It's the Holy Spirit guiding me to say, okay, well this year, or this moment, you are going to do this, and uh, the journey of generosity with the Lord. Can become an adventure, honestly. But if you've if it's scary as all get out if you've never dipped your toe in the water. Yeah. You talk to people who've been faithful tithers or faithful in generosity for decades, and they're like, absolutely, wouldn't live any other way.
2: But it's because they've learned, right? They They have. They've seen the Lord's faithfulness as they as they've been, as they've obeyed their way into growing their faith. They've seen how the Lord has has provided yeah absolutely and and i totally agree with you about how the the new testament standard is different i think the new testament standard is a higher standard like you're saying absolutely lord loves a cheerful giver yeah is the new testament standard the old testament standard was a tenth but also in the new testament jesus tells us i'm I'm telling you uh you know not one word of the law will pass away i've not come to abolish the law but to fulfill the law the old testament standard says don't commit adultery the new testament standards don't even look yeah, with lust absolutely. the old testament standard is don't commit mur- murder the new testament standard is don't even harbor hatred in your heart yeah right so absolutely i agree with you the new testament standard is a higher one and i'm i'm mentioning this because sometimes this comes up you know working with people in there actually a lot of times this comes up working with people on their with their money we yeah. work help them develop a budget a lot yeah we'll talk more about that in a minute because i think that's something that you guys have helped your members do through financial peace if yeah. i'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um and so a lot of times when it comes to that part about, you know, the charitable giving, you know, people start asking us, well what what should we do? And so this this conversation that we just had comes up a lot. Yeah,
3: no doubt. And I you know, I heard uh, I think I read it from Tim Keller one time talking about the tithe. And he said, "Why did God make it 10%?" He said because the Lord knew for most people in the world Throughout their lifetime, 10% is a major, massive sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And so for you to ever get there alone is a massive sacrifice for most people. And uh, yeah. so it's just a journey, really is.
2: So uh, I mentioned Financial Peace University. Yeah. My understanding is that's something that you guys have helped your church members with, correct?
3: We did, yeah. It was probably three years ago now okay. that we uh, we took the entire I think almost the entire church almost every small group through it yeah and uh so it was a uh it was great I mean I I helped lead my own small group through it and yeah. it was uh it was a fantastic
2: journey where
0: yeah
2: I think we're still seeing the benefits of that now absolutely a few years later yeah it's one thing to ask people to you know we all know it's in the Bible we know that God wants us to be a cheerful giver and give a part portion But a lot of people just simply need the help of understanding how how do I get my arms around this aspect of my life? So I think that's great. I heard a pastor
3: say it this way recently, and this is why what y'all do is so important. He said, most people in your church are are not stingy. They're strapped. Yeah. So they sit there as we pray for the offering on Sunday mornings or we give a sermon about giving. And they're like, man, if only. Yeah. I, could, I I so want to be involved in giving to my church, giving to missions, feeling like I'm a part of what's going on here. I just don't have the money to do it. And so um, I almost think that the church in general has, you know, the last decade has really taken a step back and said, if we ever want to teach people how to be stewards, we have to teach them how to get unstrapped from debt, yeah. from, uh, you know, lack of a budget, from all these things to where they can yeah. live a healthy healthy financial life yep. and they're always more free personally. Yeah. You know, the thing about finances is it messes you up when they're wrong. That's right. Every part of your life, your relationships are harder. Your, your stress level is up. Your anxiety's through the roof. And when you get this in line and you're living in the biblical principles of contentment and sure. tithing, and, I mean, when you just do it, God's way it works. Yeah. That's true about every subject. That's right. And money's not exempt from
2: that. That's right. Because when you kind of going back to the, what we talked about earlier, if money becomes an idol and it's about keeping up with the Joneses, well, guess where that tends to lead? Yeah. To mega debt. So sure. When you got too much debt. You can't figure out, well, how can I, how can I give anything? I gotta, I gotta have every penny to make all these these debt service payments to have the car and the house and the everything else. Absolutely. And so, yeah, that teaching people how to, that's a big part of what we do. Yeah. Um, you know, simply teaching people how to get on a budget and how to get out of debt. I, it's, it's very common when someone comes in to see us that, you know, once we start to get into what the whole situation is, we end up telling them, you don't need to invest right now. You need to pay down this. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Debt. No doubt.
1: Um, I think the big shift, I know for me personally, it's been something I've seen, but for a lot of believers is when, you, the, when you've when just mature in your faith and the realization of like, where do your resources come from? And it's not, oh, this is my salary, it's like well this all this is this is all the Lord's. Yeah. Right. He's blessed me with having the responsibility to to use it, right? And so tithing or giving generously you look at that very different when you really really start to let that soak in and like yeah. listen, none of this is mine. I mean, this is all the Lord's that yeah. he's just kind of funneled through me, no doubt but it's it. not of my own efforts that I've gone out and created this. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's just encouragement to, to really, cause that's, that's hard, right? I mean, our society today is all about like promotions and money, right? We talked about money being in one of, if not the number one idol, one of the top idols yeah. and, um, and seniority at the, in the workplace. And so it's all about me, 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 you, you, what are you doing? What am I doing? And just constant, I think daily, weekly reminding ourselves that, you know, this is all, this is all from the Lord and this is yeah. all the Lord's and, um, it's our responsibility to, you know,
3: act like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's the difference between being a steward and an owner. Something I know you guys probably talk to mm-hmm. people about all the time. Do I think this is all mine, or do I think God's just using me as a funnel to different people? Uh, you know, I heard somebody say years mm-hmm. ago, "You never see a a U-Haul attached to the back of a hearse.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Like you can't take your stuff with you, right?" And when people are on their deathbed, they don't care about their stuff. That's right. They want the people in their life. It's the relationships. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: And a lot of this goes back to where the conversation started is like that, the fear, like the fear of dying. Yeah. Right. And if like, if this, if earth and this moment is all, you know, and think life will ever be right. That's that. I could see where that could be very uh, scary. Yeah. You know, and you would want to maximize the all of the now, yeah. right? But I think we just need to always encourage each other. Conversations like this are great, right? This is a podcast we're recording, but having these kinds of conversations on a regular basis with other believers and non believers and just encouraging each other to, to not live in fear and after living through a global pandemic, we just have a very recent example to no doubt. to give.
2: And I think that for me, you know, a verse comes to mind as he was talking there about how, you know, Jesus said I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly, Yeah, right? The abundant life doesn't, to me, doesn't mean that you've got all this stuff. It means that you've, you've got the relationships. That's what's going to last for eternity. And you, you can live life without just being in constant fear of, oh my gosh, am I going to die of COVID or, oh my goodness, am I going to have enough money to last for the rest of my life or whatever? That to me is what the abundant life is, is a life without fear. Sure. A life full of faith and a life full of great relationships with other believers. Yeah.
3: I think that's so, I think that's so true. And, you know, I think the thing, I think the thing with people, you know, and what they often hear from, from maybe even pastors or, or leaders about money is I think, well, if you have, if you have stuff, you're an evil person, or if you have a nice car, nice house, I don't, I don't think that's the teaching of the Bible. I, I think what, what we need to wrestle with is and it goes to what you're saying. If it all went away tomorrow, are you do you still have abundant life yeah and if if the answer is no, then you realize it's not that you had your stuff, your stuff actually had you yeah, and I think that's where a lot of people get possessions wrong is yeah. is it's uh maybe even without realizing it, it becomes the idol in their life and if it was all stripped away. Their identity stripped away, and that's never a good place to be.
2: Yeah. All right. So, uh, Nick, this has been a great podcast day. Thank you for taking time out of your day to uh, join us. It's definitely been kind of out of what I would call the norm for one of our podcasts. But most of the people who come in to, to see us, we're we've, we're always very open about our faith. People know where we stand. Yeah. So, and and I think you know your faith is critically intertwined with with your money. You know, like Jesus said. Your heart is there. Your treasure will be also. So it's important. to, So it's an important aspect of financial planning. Is how do we how do we manage our money in a way that God would want us to? You know, with this podcast says we. The podcast kind of tagline is that we provide financial information on topics such as investment, investing, insurance, financial planning, and everything related to your money. Well, this has been kind of the everything else part related to your <laughs> yeah, money for today. sure, for sure. But uh, but it's been really really good and, and i think people will find it useful so again thank you for your time today well thanks so much for having me and again thanks for what y'all do for so many people
1: absolutely so as always to wrap it up guys uh, email any questions or topics that you guys have any guests that you'd like to see on the show you can email us at podcast at mach1fg.com thank you nick again for joining us we really appreciate um, what you do um, in our community and the leader that you are our thought for the day we're going to throw a verse at you this is actually niv version hebrews 13 5 keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because god has said never will i leave you never will i forsake you that's it for today we appreciate you listening to the podcast and we look forward to you joining us next time on the Maquan one market moment
0: Quick reminder, the host of this show are employees of Mach 1 Financial Group. Guests on the show may be clients of Mach 1 Financial Group and comments should not be taken as an endorsement or testimonial of the firm. Comments are the sole opinion of the speaker and do not reflect the opinion of Mach 1 Financial Group. This podcast is for informational purposes only and nothing said on the show should be taken as investment advice. Employees and clients of Mach 1 Financial Group may maintain positions in the securities or strategies discussed. does not provide tax or legal advice you should speak with your tax or legal advisor regarding your specific situation for full disclosures please visit www.moc-1financial.com disclosures